as I said before, it is good to be back um, back home. I mean, we were only gone for a couple of days. I had a nice visit uh, last weekend in Illinois. I actually got to see everybody a couple of weeks, or not a couple of weeks ago. Last time we went home uh, to, to see everybody, didn't get to see my dad, and so it was nice to uh, actually get to see everyone and uh, had a nice trip. But of course, it is good to, uh, good to come back. Be, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's good to come back home. Um, also, I don't know if uh, I know a couple of you uh, remember because a couple of you mentioned it to me, but um, uh, church camp just finished up at Baptist Hill, and so that was a, a good time. I can't remember how many uh, kids they had. I, they, I saw a number, and I can't remember. It was 150 or 170 or something like that, so they had a real good turnout with that, and I think that uh, I think everybody seemed to have a good time. There was a good response. Uh, I got to teach some self-defense to see to some young men, and uh, that was an experience. First time that I've taught self-defense at Baptist Hill, and I didn't have any girls in any of my classes, and so that was uh, that was interesting. Then on Thursday, afterwards, I got uh, they have it's not exactly a family night, but uh, the kids get to share what they've uh, what they've learned and stuff like that. And so I stuck around on Thursday and got to go to one of the worship services. And as I was driving away, uh, after everything was done, I was thinking about my time at Baptist Hill, and since that time I've been thinking about it. And a couple of things really stood out to me. The first is I like being in a worship service with lots of young people. Now, don't get me wrong. When you get 150 or 170 uh, kids that age in one room together, they're rambunctious. And they, they got kind of squirrely a couple times. But you know what? As, as we sang the songs of praise and, and worship and and and, uh, and worship God. There there was an enthusiasm that I found very refreshing just being around uh, the young people. The other thing that stood out to me this week was that kids are tiring, and um, that's that, that's not uh, that's not news to me. I mean, and, and probably not to you either. Uh, if you've uh, been around kids at all, you know that they can really wear a person out. But after teaching this week, uh, man, I was just plum worn out. I, my, my tires were hanging out, and I was I was pooped. And and you know I I think that just kind of comes with this season of the year, doesn't it? We just kind of get into a summer slump. If if you're in the school system, or you got uh, kids or grandkids, family members in the school system, uh, of course uh, those of us who work in the school, we have the end of the year stuff that we have to deal with. Uh, but also there are all those graduations that you have to go to. Of course you can't see everybody's, but uh, you're going here and there trying to see everybody. And of course, uh, summer's the time for Bible school. We just finished up with that. Um, and then on top of all those things, there are vacations, there are summer sports and practices, there's putting up hay and farming and gardening and, and just all that stuff. And, and we tend to get into that summer slump and, and we tend to get weary. And we tend to just, oh man, we're, we're just so worn out. And then on top of all that stuff, life keeps happening, doesn't it? Because then on top of all that, then we still face trials and and, uh, and struggles and things like that. And before we know it, uh, we, we might be tempted to just throw in the towel, sit on the sidelines and say, you know what, I'm going to settle in for a long summer's nap and just, just kick back and, uh, and take it easy. Well, I have good news for you, and that is that God gives strength to the weary. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to pick up uh, in verse 27. It's near the end of the chapter. The text is up on the screen if, um, if you need it. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27. Now, earlier in chapter 40, right at the beginning, God tells Isaiah to comfort his people. And so Isaiah says a number of, of wonderful things about God in, in chapter 40. And, and he's, uh, he's speaking to the faithful few. 
in the northern kingdom of Israel. They've been in the, the Assyrian captivity for a number of years. Um, he's, he's also speaking to the southern kingdom of Judah that's been languishing under the Babylonian captivity. And, uh, and so we get this beautiful passage that we're going to read about today. And, and this part of this ends up on so many pictures and wall art and all sorts of things. And, and, and if I had to boil it down to just one simple sentence, I would, I would summarize it this way. God gives strength to the weary. Okay? So in, in honor of God's word, why don't we stand as we uh, read. And we're going to begin reading in verse 27 in, uh, in just a second. Isaiah says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youth grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, Yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Thank you. May be seated. Now, the first thing that I want you to see in this text is that there are, there are many things that weary us. There are a lot of things that weary us. And, uh, and I think that there are a few things that, uh, that Isaiah kind of... Well, there's one that he says explicitly, but then, then he, tends, he, uh, he kind of alludes to a couple of things in his response, I think. The first thing that I see here is that, that uh, look at verse 27 again. He says, Jacob and Israel, and that's the way that Isaiah uh, refers to the whole people of God, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. He, he, says, uh, I, he says, Jacob and Israel, why are you saying this stuff? They're complaining. Now, again, they're suffering under captivity, and it seems like God's MIA. He's missing action. They're praying, and God isn't answering, it doesn't seem like. They ask God for deliverance, and yet they're still in captivity. They're getting mistreated, and yet God does not uh, vindicate them. He doesn't set the record straight. And they're going through a time of suffering, and it seems like God has, has, uh, has forgotten them. Maybe he's forsaken them. And bad thoughts about God start to arise in their minds. And, and we've all been there, haven't we? We don't want to share those things. We don't want to admit it in in public, especially in church. But we've all had those times when we've been like, God, I, I'm not very happy with you right now. And so these people are complaining. And, and it's bad enough whenever we get the thoughts in our minds, but then when we give voice to those things, it tends to get a little bit worse. Have you ever noticed that? You, you're, you're going through something, and it's bad, but then somebody says, hey, man, how you doing? And you tell them, and then it seems a lot worse, doesn't it? It's like those words that just aggravate the sorrow a little bit. And, and we've all faced times when, when we're walking through the dark valley and it seems like God is not by our side. It seems like Psalm 23, where the Lord is my shepherd, it seems like he's sitting up on a hill while we're wandering out by ourselves. It, it seems like sometimes we're going through things and God has forgotten all about us. And we begin to complain. And, and, and that suffering is bad enough. It will weary a person. But then when we feel like we're going through it alone, that makes it even worse. So sometimes suffering, and especially when it seems like we're doing it alone, wearies a person. But on top of that, notice, uh, notice what he alludes to in, in the next uh, verse or two. Sometimes we think that God maybe is just too weak to handle the situation that we're facing. Now again, we're good, uh, we're good Orthodox Baptists, and we, we would never uh, think such a thing, but, but we all face things that, 
man, this great big God that we worship on Sunday, on Monday it seems like maybe he's gotten a little bit smaller. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, you, you, you had a good time, you, you've, you've worshipped God, maybe you're reading about, maybe you're reading earlier in Isaiah 40, and you're reading about how God has created all the, all the earth and, and the nations are just like a drop in the bucket, and he's got, he's got all these things in his hand, and, and he's this mighty God, and you're like, wow, this is so great, and that's the God that's living in my heart, and then something happens at work, and you're like, well... Uh, boy, it doesn't seem like that's the God that I'm serving today. And it just seems that way. And, and it seems like, and, and then what we do, we say, well, this is such a big thing. I'm not sure God can handle it, so I'm going to take care of it myself. And we try to do it in our own strength because, I mean, that, that only makes sense, right? If the omnipotent God of the universe that spoke and everything left into existence, if he can't handle it, I'm sure that we can take care of it, right? And so, so we try to handle things in our own strength and... You can count on your strength failing if that's what you're trying to do. It, it fails every time. And the last thing that makes us weary, and I believe this is implied in the text again, is that sometimes we feel like nobody understands what we're going through. Nobody knows what it is that we're facing. Nobody understands completely uh, the situation that we're in. And sometimes we think that even includes God. Now, every person faces times in their life when they feel like they're going it alone. Like nobody is there to, to, to stand by their side. And they feel like they're an island and, and nobody gets it. And maybe they feel like that's the way it is with God, that he's just out of touch. Or maybe, yeah, he does a pretty good job of managing things in most people's lives, but he's not done such a good job in our lives. Now, you all are looking at me like I'm a heathen, but it, we're, we, all, we all face that stuff, don't we? And, we do, again, we don't want to give voice to it, but that's what, that's what it feels like sometimes. And that's the way the people in Isaiah's day were feeling. And what was Isaiah's response? Look at verse 28. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? It's like, it's like he's doing a big face palm. He's like, seriously? You guys are saying that? How can you even be thinking such a thing? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Don't you remember what God's done in the past? Don't you remember all those times that you've prayed and God's answered? Don't you remember all those times that you've been in a prayer meeting or, or somebody's mentioned on a prayer list and, and things were looking terrible and uh, God worked a miracle? Haven't you ever heard, haven't you ever read the Scriptures, what God has done in the past and how He works? And the answer is yes, they've heard. Yes, they know. And what they knew and what they'd heard would be enough to silence their concerns, silence their worries and give them strength and confidence in what they're facing, but they let their wor worries weary them. And to answer all those things, Isaiah reminds us of three truths about God. And uh, look at verse, verse 28 again. It says, Do you not know, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Now I just want to stop right there. The first thing he tells us is that God is eternal. God is eternal. He gives us two descriptions. First, he calls him the everlasting God. Now that word everlasting means eternal. One of the speakers this past week at, at uh, the children's camp, he, he put it very well. He said that, uh, you know, usually when we think of something being everlasting or eternal, we think of it being from this point forward. But that's not the case. God is everlasting. And, and, and the way that the speaker said it was, we all have birthdays, but God doesn't have any birthdays. And I just really like that. You know, there's, there's, there was a time when we did not exist. 
But there's never been a time when God didn't exist. God has always been, and there will never be a time when God ceases to exist. He is the ever-present God. And that ties into what else he says. Look at, look at the word that he uses in verse 28. He calls him the everlasting God, the Lord. Now, if you'll notice, Lord is in all caps. That's because that's translating the proper name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, you remember in uh, the book of Exodus, Moses at the burning bush, and God says, go tell my, go tell my people I'm going to deliver them. And he says, what if they say, who sent you? What am I supposed to tell them? And what does, what does God say? You tell them I am sent you. Yahweh, Jehovah, the ever-present, the, the, the self-existing one. God is, God is not dependent on somebody else for his existence. He is totally self-sufficient. He has life within himself. He is eternal. But on top of that, look at verse 28 again. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. Now we know that God has created the earth. The earth is the Lord of the fullness thereof. He, he made it all. And we know that, but I want you to consider it for a moment because the word that's used to speak of God as creator cannot apply to people. Because we think of people as creating things, but really we don't. See, the word that's, we can manipulate things. We can, we can take elements that are already there. We can take wood and fashion it into a, a, a sculpture or stone fashion into a sculpture. We can take wood and make it into a house. We can Things like that. We can manipulate what's already there. But the word in the Hebrew uh, language that's used means you take nothing and make something out of it. And only God can do that. Only God can create. He is the one who made something out of nothing. What does, the, what does Genesis say? God spoke and it happened. You see, there was nothing except for God. And then God spoke, and all of a sudden, there was something. Now, I just want you to, to, to think about that for a second. How much power did it take to make all this universe? How much power did it take to, to, to just make the earth? You say, boy, that must have been hard for God. Nope. It took a lot of power, but it didn't, he didn't break a sweat. He spoke, and the world left into existence. That's a lot of power that God has. And third, if you look at verse 28, it says that his understanding is inscrutable. If I may translate that word a little bit differently, it uh, depends on your translation. Um, and, and the Bible is very clear that God has all knowledge. We, we call that omniscient. He knows everything. And while his knowledge is infinite, and this is included in here, that's not exactly the emphasis. The emphasis is not on the amount that God knows, that, I mean, there's just volumes and volumes of information that he knows, but rather, the emphasis seems to be on the deep knowledge that God has about us. We can't fathom how much God knows about us. We, we can't, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, an intimate, incomprehensible amount that God knows about every single person. He knows the number of hairs on our head. For some of us, it's getting fewer every day, isn't it? It would be amazing to me if I just knew the number of hairs in the sink. But he knows the number of hairs on our head and everybody here in the whole world. How? He knows everything. He is so well acquainted with us. He knows everything we need. He knows all of the situations. He knows all the details. He knows all the extenuating circumstances of everybody, everywhere, all the time. Wow. That's amazing. That's impressive. 
And therefore, because of what he's just said in verse 28, because he is the everlasting, ever-present, self-existent creator God, the one who knows every minute detail of each and every person's lives, what we're experiencing, what we need, he is the source of all strength, and look what it says in verse 28, he doesn't get tired. He does not become weary or tired. Therefore, we can count on him because, verse 29, he gives strength and power to those that wait on him. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Now, it's obvious you cannot give somebody you don't have, you can't give somebody something you don't have yourself. If somebody says, hey Jeff, do you like a gold doubloon? Sure. Oh, well, I don't have one. I just want to know, want to know if you wanted one. Okay, God can say, you want some strength? Yeah, but if he doesn't have it himself, he can't give it to us. But God has all strength. He has all power. And, and, and the blessed promise of Scripture here is that God gives strength and power to those who need it. Now, I want you to observe the, uh, the pictures that he uses to flesh out this idea. In verse 29, he talks about youths and vigorous young men. One thing I've noticed the last five years or so especially is that youth and energy are wasted on the young. I mean, they've got enthusiasm. They have, boy, they have all kinds of energy. They don't know what to do with it. I've got all kinds of ideas what to do with it. I just don't have the energy to do it. And, and so here are these young people. And I, I can remember, can't you, when, when you were a kid, I remember being a kid, and why had all kinds of energy. And I remember my grandparents and, and aunts and uncles looking at me saying, well, I just wish I had half the energy that he does. And I've said the same thing about my own daughter. I wish I had a quarter of the energy that she has. And as I've grown older... The, the worst has gotten at children's camp. Boy, there was a lot of energy going off in that place. I mean, you get 150, 170 kids together, whew, there's a lot of energy. They feed off of each other. They have boundless energy, it seems like. And this phrase about this, these vigorous young men, that means, it has the idea behind it of picking certain young guys out because they just have, they're extra hardy. And they, they, there's vigorous. And, and, and the thing is, and we know this to be true intellectually, and, and the Scripture says it here, no matter how young and vigorous and strong people are, in and of themselves, eventually, they'll run out of steam. And you've been around a kid when they hit the wall, haven't you? I mean, they're going 100 miles an hour, and all of a sudden it gets quiet, and you look back, and they're, you know, they're all passed out. We all run out of steam. We face stuff as adults, and we, do, we, we, we run out. We're, we just run down. And we may have boundless energy, but eventually there's, there's an end to it. Eventually we wear out, we get exhausted. But notice the contrast. Even though these young people are so energetic, one of these days they're going to run out of steam. However, yet, look at verse 31, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. Even though all these people have all this energy, even though that's true, those that wait on God are the ones who are really going to have the strength. And this promise hinges, you'll notice, in verse 31, on waiting on the Lord. Now, that does not mean that we sit back, fold our hands, waste time, and, uh, and are real stoic about things. The word wait has the idea of 
binding together with someone or something. It has the idea of waiting expectantly for somebody. It means that we fall in line with the plan of God. It means that, that, that we get in on what He's doing and, and we recognize that His power and grace are sufficient for those who are following after Him. It means that we patiently trust in the Lord and his pro- to fulfill His promises that He will give strength to us in the things that we face. There's an old commentator by the name of Matthew Henry. He put it in, in just a simple sentence. He said, As the day, so shall the strength be. And I just love that. As the day, so shall the strength be. Jeremiah the prophet said this way, His mercies are new every morning. We just sing about that. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, Give us what? Give us this day our daily bread. As we face stuff, He gives us the mercy and the grace and the strength and the power to meet it. Whatever it is that comes our way, when we follow and trust Him. Don't think that you go off living off in in left field out in the far country and and you're facing stuff and half of it's your own fault because of the choices you made. Don't think, oh, well, God's not giving me strength. Well, duh. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not where you're supposed to be. How, How do you expect that to happen? The picture that He uses here in verse 31 is that of an eagle. Of course, here in America, we love eagles, don't we? Oh, the bald eagle. And I've, you know, we have some west of us a little ways. I've never seen any of them over here. Um, but eagles are such a powerful animal. And, and they're so majestic when you watch them. And, and, and even though we don't have any bald eagles quite this far east uh, that I've seen, I've seen a bunch of hawks and different things like that, and you have too. And it's, it's amazing to me. You can go out, and boy, it can be so windy. It's about to blow you down. And you look up in the sky, and what do you see? Floating on the breeze, right? Never flapping their wings. They'll be out there all day. Every time you look out, there'll be five or six of them just floating around. Careless, effortless, powerful. Why is that? Because the winds that howl down here lift them higher instead of blowing them down. And I think, what a picture that is, because when we wait on the Lord, He gives us that abundant strength. And that's a picture that the, those, those powerful birds is a picture of, of, of the strength that he gives us. But also, those winds that blow down here can raise us higher, closer to him. And folks, that's what God's offering you and me today. He says, I, I've got strength for you if you wait on me, if you'll, if you'll lean on me, if you'll trust in me. So the question is, are you going to rely on him in your situation, whatever it is that you're facing? Will you count on him for his strength? Or are you going to rely on your own strength and your own wisdom to try and take care of whatever situation it is? Listen, God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't err. He's not, he's not failing in his management of things. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. God has all power. And he offers that to his children. And maybe you need to rely on that today. Stop stressing and start trusting. And boy, that's hard to do, isn't it? It's easy to sit in church and say, let go and what? Let God. Boy, it's easy to say that. But it's a lot harder whenever we're facing the situation and the bills are coming in and you know, we're dealing with family and, and we're talking to the doctor and we're doing all these things and it's a lot tougher to do it then. It's a lot harder. And, and it's not like we say, okay, well, God, I'm going to do this now and I don't have to do it again the rest of my life. 
Now, sometimes it's moment by moment. Making that choice. You know what? I, I have anxiety coming up in my heart, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to trust you. I'm going to choose to rely on you. Those that wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come? And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just in the quiet of this time, I, I don't know what you're facing. I know even in a, a group this size, there's all kinds of stuff going on. That's our lot in life, isn't it? Solomon said something to the effect of man's employment for trouble like sparks fly to the sky. And if you've ever been out of the campfire, you know that it, it just happens a lot. And there may be somebody that you've never accepted Christ. I'm not saying if you ask Jesus to forgive your sins that everything will be hunky-dory no that's not that's not the case at all but I will tell you that whatever it is that you face you won't face it alone but maybe you need to maybe you need to repent of something today maybe you need to repent of trying to do things in your own strength your lack of faith, not trusting God. Listen, God loves you. He'll be with you. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you're with us in whatever it is that we face. And God, as we meet together as a body of, of believers, family of God Lord I, I thank you that we can share one another's burdens that we can come along and shoulder some of those things so that people realize they're not in it alone but God ultimately we are so thankful that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us and we know that that having a, uh, an earthly friend is good but having that friend that sticks closer than a brother is so much better and God I pray for strength and power for each person that's, that's hearing me today in whatever situation it is that we face help us to rely on you to wait on you and if we're off where we're not supposed to be that we'll get in line with what you want us to do Thank you for your all-sufficient grace and your love and care for us. And thank you that, as Jesus said, we don't have to worry about tomorrow because you care for us. Help us always to rely on that. In Jesus' name, amen.